You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, Utah blows out SCS Idaho State, and we look forward to USC. We're also joined by special guests Dan Sorensen from MuteZone.com, as well as Adam Grossbard from the Orange County Register. I'm Cameron, and I'm actually running solo today. No Scott or Ryan. Scott is down with the in-laws in Lake Powell, working on his tan. I mean, you know how Scott is. He he always has to look pretty. So he's down there baking in the sun in Lake Powell. And Ryan is actually on a business trip in Washington. Hopefully we can get Ryan on the show a little bit later. He's in some business meetings, and hopefully we can get him on in between those. Uh, I do have a, a jam-packed episode for today, as as I mentioned. we got Dan Sorensen. We're going to be covering Utes with him. Uh, we have Adam Grosbeer from Orange County Register coming on, talking about USC, really giving his his thoughts and feels of the USC program. I'm really interested to know kind of what's going on there. I mean, they, they lost to BYU, a, a team they should beat a team I think a lot of people beat or a lot of people thought they would beat. So I really want to know uh, what's going on there as Utah sets to go down to the Coliseum and play the Trojans this week. So I don't want to waste too much time uh, just rambling on here because I mean we got great interviews lined up. We'll get to we'll get to thoughts about Idaho State and USC uh, hopefully when when Ryan gets on. Uh, but before we we start the interview with Dan, let you know that that's brought to you. By our great sponsor with Double Tree Suites by Hilton in Salt Lake City. They're located at 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call at 801-359-7800. You can always go to Hilton.com and they are the preferred hotel when Pac-12 teams come into Salt Lake. Alright, so on the phone now, a, a great friend of the show. You hear him Every week on ESPN 700, he's the managing editor of Ute Zone. He does it all. Dan Sorensen. Dan, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you? You know, I'm I'm flying solo so far tonight, and it, it's going well. I don't I don't know if I'll bring Scott and Ryan back on. I kind of like having the mic all to myself. <laughs> I, I say that. That'll show them. <laughs> I don't want to give you any ideas when I join you on Newt Zone Radio when you d- lock the door and you won't let me in. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. All right, man. So, Utes, three games into the season. You know, obviously, uh, you know, a very emotional game to start off the, the season against BYU and in, in the rivalry game. They go against. Uh, a MAC team in NIU, and then and then wrap it up. Uh, they're out of conference with the FCS opponent in Idaho State. So the big burning question I know a lot of Ute fans are thinking, Dan, what do you know about Utah now that you didn't know before the season started? You know, I, I think we know a lot of things, actually. So, you know, when you, you break down that non-conference schedule, I know that there are a lot of people that aren't super excited about who the Utes played, but you know, in, in terms of, of BYU and, and NIU, I think both of those teams probably should be bowl teams. Uh, NIU, it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the MAC. Uh, 
uh, BYU, of course, beat USC last weekend, and, you know, they're crowing, and they should be for doing something like that. And so, you know, I think two pretty solid wins to be to begin the season, and then an SCS team where we saw very few critical errors. So the, the, the things that, that I've particularly learned is, number one is that Andy Ludwig is a pretty darn good offensive coordinator. We've seen some really good things out of him. And, and, and the things that we're seeing is, you know, they're changing week to week and they're, give, they're basically taking what the defense is giving them. You know, BYU, they dropped back into that, you know, eight-man coverage and played a three-man front. So Utah just ran the ball down their throats. And, you know, that score should have been much more than what it was. There, there's a, a couple of stalled drives and, and drop passes in the first half. And then, of course, they dominated in the second half and took the knee. And so, you know, the, the score wasn't even indicative of how much the Utes actually dominated the Cougars this year. But, but they, you know, the Utes ran the ball because that's what BYU was getting them. And IU did the opposite. You know, they, they really sold out against the run and, and Utah hurt them through the air. And Tyler Huntley has looked really sharp and, and they showed that they can do that. And then Idaho State, and, you know, granted, you got to take the quality of opponents um, to mind when you're, when you're looking at them. But, you know, Utah basically did whatever they wanted with that first-team offense. You know, Tyler Huntley was just gashing them through the air. Zach Moss was having what he wanted. You know, yeah, there were some issues with the offensive line. But, you know, keep in mind that two starters have been out in games two and three. And so I think that that will be shored up beginning against USC as those guys start coming back. And so, you know, we've learned that Ludwig is a solid offensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing. Uh, Tyler Huntley is playing the best football of his career. He's developed as a passer and as a quarterback in general, as a leader of the offense. Zach Moss is what we thought he was. I think the offensive line is better than we thought they would be, and there's still room for improvement, so that's a good thing. I think the defense is what we thought it would be. The linebackers are still a little shaky at times, but they're getting better every single game. And really, this is a really good Utah football team. And it's a team that's going to win a lot of games. And, you know, they're not going to blow teams out because that's really not the way that this team has been built. But, you know, they're going to win with tough defense and controlling the clock and running the ball and being super efficient in the passing game. And, you know, this is a team that I think Utah fans should be really excited about. They're going to be really good. They're ranked number 10 in the nation right now, and that's absolutely deserved, in my opinion. And so you mentioned a lot of a lot of good things are going with them. This week, earlier on Ute Zone, you wrote up an article grading um, all the positions and special teams, uh, giving them a letter grade for, the, for their past game against um, Idaho State. With all of that, though, and the things you just listed with the with the linebackers and the offensive line, uh, what is the number one thing you think Utah still needs to work on as they get into conference play? Um, a couple of things. Number one is, you know, that offensive line needs to gel. And really, they, they need to get Umana back. They need to get um, uh, Maia back. And, and they need to really be able to, to get those guys playing as one and, and, and playing as a cohesive unit. They're have been times where teams are selling out against the run where the team is not doing a good job in terms of picking up the run blitz and giving Zach Moss time to do what he needs to do and what he's capable of. And I think that's going to come with time, even with the, the better opponents that Utah is facing. But that offensive line really does need to gel. They've been excellent in pass protection for the most part. Uh, and, 
we, we, we need to see a little bit better in the run. And, and really at that point, I'm nitpicking that he comes averaging 200 rushing yards a game. I mean, when, when you're saying that they, they need to be better in the run game and they're still averaging 200 rushing yards a game, you know, that's, that's nitpicking in my opinion. But, but it's something that I would like to see from the offensive line. I would love to see the special teams kind of lock in. Uh, you know, Ben Leonard in particular, I, you know, he's, he hasn't put up great numbers, although a vast majority of his punts are inside the 20. And frankly, he's he's punting from midfield, which is hurting his numbers. But, uh, you know, he hasn't been spectacular. And I think the expectations are so high for punters that, you know, that's something that I, I think that we're going to see as the year progresses. And I want to see how he develops in his first year of organized football. The, the same thing with the place kicking game, right? So we, we've seen basically one field goal in the last two games uh, and no missed extra points, which is great. But, you know, what's going to happen when the game is on the line, when the pressure is on, when Utah really needs those three points? Or are, are they going to get clutch kicks from the play, place kicking position? And so that that's something that I think needs to be improved. And then just, you know, the defense, more than anything, just being really locked in and being really locked in from snap one and ready to go. I think that the linebackers are improving. You know, we're seeing a steady improvement from Devin Lloyd, especially from game one to game three. You know, he, he, there were mistakes that he was making in games one and two that he didn't make in game three. And so if we can continue to see that progression, that will be a good thing. I think Francis Bernard is having an excellent senior year. He's showing great leadership. We'd love to see some of the depth and some of the twos really step up and, and show that they're capable. You know, we saw some good things from RJ Hubert uh, taking over for Julian Blackman last game, but I think we need to see more of that because, you know, really it's, it's unrealistic to expect this team to go through the entire season with no major injuries to key players. If they do, you know, Utah's going to be sitting pretty come December or January. You know, one guy I think is a very special player, Tyler Huntley. I mean, here's a kid who really has earned everything he has. Nothing's given to him. And I, you know Winningham's program better than anyone else in, in the media in this market. Winningham just doesn't give playing time to kids. And, and Huntley came in and, and battled for a, a starting position over a returning starter and a, a transfer quarterback um, from Alabama. So I already think highly of Huntley. But I think this year he's really made a step in his game and really playing at a higher level than he has in, in previous seasons. Can you see like with your expertise, as you watch this team, what do you think Huntley has improved on the most since last season? We, we've seen a few really key things from Tyler Huntley. Number one is he's put on some weight and you know he's put on 20, 25 pounds. You can see it. You can tell uh, when he's moving around you know, with that weight, he's stronger than he's ever been. Um, and, and, and that's a good thing. And, and But more than anything, you know, what we're seeing out of Tyler Huntley that we haven't seen before is the decision-making. So, you know, there's a couple of plays in particular uh, in the NIU and Idaho State games that come to mind. Uh, there's a play in the NIU game where, you know, there were actually two plays in the NIU game. where So the first one, you know, Tyler gets the snap. Uh, he's looking around. He can't find anybody open. He evades the pass rush. He throws the ball out of bounds, and he comes back to live another day. Uh, in previous years, he doesn't do that. He tries to scramble. He tries to get yardage. He takes the big hit. He didn't do that. He just dumped the ball 
they went on, they got a first down the next play or the play after. Uh, then the other play is there was a, a similar situation. There's a third down play. Huntley gets the snap. He's, he's chased from the pocket. He's rolling out. And there's Greenfield in front of him. And there was a linebacker that was spying. He might have been able to beat out, but Huntley kept his eyes downfield. He hit Simpkins, who was open for you know an 11 or 12-yard game, got the first down through the air rather than trying to run it himself and take the hit. And that's the big thing that we're seeing from him. Huntley's always been pretty accurate, although he's been amazingly accurate so far this year. He's always had a pretty good arm, although the arm looks fantastic again this year. We saw throws against Idaho State that were just the, the two touchdown throws to Thompson were two of the best throws he's ever made. And frankly, two of the better throws that any quarterback has ever made in terms of hitting a guy in stride, putting it right where it needed to be. Same thing with the touch, the long touchdown to Dixon in, in the NIU game or longish, but the touchdown to Dixon on the, on, on the, the, the post corner to Dixon in, in the NIU game. So he's making excellent decisions. He's throwing with accuracy. He's got a command of the offense and he's not taking those hits. The, he's, the, the decisions he's making in the run game are just as important as the decisions he's making in the pass game. And so, you know, most of the runs are designed runs from the Zach Moss, but they are running a little bit of read option in there and, and Huntley pulls the ball when he should. He's not taking the big major hit like he has been the last few years. And, you know, that, that spells good things. If he's able to continue that, you know, there's a good chance he's able to last through the year. And, you know, and, and he's playing some excellent football. I think we're, we're going to see him put up some real numbers, especially now that they're in the, the, the meat of the competition and we're going to see him for full games as opposed to what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So looking ahead to this game on Friday night with Utah and, and USC, so U, USC's coming off a loss down in Provo. They didn't go bowling last year. They, they've, you know, last couple of years they've kind of have been going down. Do you have any concern with Utah overlooking USC? Now, Utah is not going to overlook USC. In fact, to, to be honest with you, you know, talking to players uh, on, you know, talking to players and coaches. This is the game that's been circled on the calendar. It wasn't BYU. It was USC. You know, they, they knew that this, this game is kind of a make or break game for the season and is going to determine whether they can do something truly, truly special. So they're not going to be looking or overlooking this USC team. You know, keep in mind, this is still a team that has unreal talent. Now, have they maximized that talent? Not in a long shot. And it's Clay Helton. You know, is he respected as a coach and what he's able to do as a developer and a play caller? Not really. You know, he, he's definitely on the hot seat. We're not going to see him next year, especially with the AD changes. Um, but, you know, we might get a little bit of that wounded animal syndrome, you know, where, you know, they got beat by a BYU team that should not have beaten them. You know, USC will, will feel like they're the superior talent team, and they are the superior talent team, but they, you know, they got their butts kicked, you know, to an inferior team and then, you know, they deserve to wear that L. And so they, you know, we're probably going to see an upset squad. We're probably going to see a squad that's going to want to come in and, and fight for help a little bit, but Utah, they're motivated. They know that they have to win this game if they want to win the South and they want to put themselves, you know, and I think they've even got higher aspirations than just winning the South, especially the fact that, you know, they're ranked number 10 in the nation going into the fourth week of the season, you know, they, they need to win and they need to put points on the board. They're going to be focused. They're going to be ready and they're going to give USC their best shot. Now, can USC win this game? 
Absolutely. You know, Utah's not played very well in the Coliseum. It's tough to go down there and win on the road. And, you know, they've been close a couple of times and haven't been able to pull it out. And so, you know, and, and Utah knows that. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I personally think Utah's going to win. I don't think they're going to blow them out by any means. But I think that Utah's going to win. They're the more physical team. They're the better coach team. They're the more disciplined team. And as long as they do that and play Utah football, they've got nothing to worry about. So this game, it's Friday night. It's a short week, so Utah's traveling down on Thursday to Southern California. What are what are your thoughts about college games on Friday nights? Do you like them? Do you not like them. them? You hate them? I absolutely hate them. Friday nights are for high school, and they should be for high school. And, you know, it's just – and I understand it's you know, it's the TV thing and all that, you know, that Utah gets to play on, you know, the whatever Fox Network is broadcasting – uh, or wherever the game is, I haven't even looked yet. That's how 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 much I pay attention to TV stuff anymore. But look, I Friday nights are for high school. I hate the short weeks anyway. I, I I would love every team to be able to just play Saturday to Saturday, have that whole week to prepare. Not have to worry about traveling on the short weeks. I mean, I think Utah got the the better of it in terms of you know at least they had Idaho State before this game, and and so they had a warm up and. And, and, you know, they were able to do a lot of preparation during the Idaho State week for USC. And so I'm not necessarily worried from a preparation standpoint or, you know, even a, you know, playing on the road. But I just don't particularly like Friday night games. And, you know, I mean, the, the good news is, look, you know, I'll be down there and covering the game with a bunch of people from Utah. And if Utah wins, then, you know, we'll have a good time eating tacos and going surfing on the Saturday before I head back to Salt Lake. So that is the one good thing that we get out of that Friday night game. Yeah, I know you and the and the Ute Zone crew will be going down there. Uh, hopefully you guys get to the game and you're not partying too much on a boat and surfing and on the water too much. <laughs> but looking at the game, do you have any any keys uh, that Utah needs to do to, to win? Um, and, and do you have a score prediction? Yeah, turnover. The first and foremost, they have to win the turnover battle, and, and that's and that's really where the game is going to be won. If Utah takes care of the football and forces turnovers, they're going to win this game. And you know, I, I don't think USC has a chance. The, the turnovers are going to be the great equalizer. So they need to win the turnover battle. They need to be able to establish the run. USC has not been particularly strong in their run defense this year, uh, and well, frankly, their defense just hasn't been super terrific anyway. I think that they're a pretty average middle of the road Pac-12 defense, you know, despite the, the talent that they've got on that side of the ball. So the Utah needs to be able to take care of the ball. They need to be able to establish the run, and then they need to be able to to confuse Keaton Slovis. And so if, if they're able to confuse Slovis and BYU, that's why they won the game. You know, Slovis didn't know what to do against you know those eight-man covered schemes, and you know through multiple interceptions, uh, really struggled. To, to find the right guy. And so if Utah can mix it up, confuse Slovis, and, and do those, those two things on offense, you know, they've got a fantastic shot to win this game and to win it going away. I like it. Dan, can you just kind of give our listeners kind of what's going on over at Ute Zone? What do you guys got going on there? Um, and then where can people find you on social media? Sure. So, yeah, UteZone.com. I, I, hopefully, you know, people that are listening there familiar with it. If you're not, go check it out. Uh, we are a subscription site. We have the largest community of youth fans 
online in terms of message board community. It's the most active community. There's great conversation. There's great camaraderie amongst youth fans. We're able to to talk together, uh, commiserate together, celebrate together, complain together. You know, however it is that they, that they like to fan and approach the game. Uh, we've got amazing content. Uh, we run more content on the youth than any other media outlet out there, period. Um, and we run some fantastic analysis stuff. Steve Bartle in particular, you know, he'll break down plays. He'll teach you X's and O's. He'll make you a smarter football fan. He'll help you understand the why behind what actually happened, which is something that no other media outlet in the market will do. And so, you know, check us out. There's a lot of free content as well if you're not a subscriber. So it's still worth visiting. And, um, you know, I... I cannot say enough good things about Uzone, so check. So you know, come give us a chance if you haven't subscribed, and and uh, you know, it should be, it will be well worth your time. From a social media standpoint, you can find me on Twitter. It's at D Sorensen. That's S O R E N S E N. You can find me tweeting random nonsense and gifts. That's what I do. And I hate on the University of Arizona. That's that's what especially what I do. On <laughs> you do like your haterade. I do love my haterade. It's quite delicious. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate everything you do for me, buddy, and, and take care. Hey, man, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And that was Dan Sorensen from MuteZone.com. And honestly, if, if you haven't checked MuteZone out, uh, go do it. They do a, a great job. I know all three of us on the show here, uh, we're subscribers to it. Uh, they have tons of information, ton of content. Uh, but I thought Dan had a lot of interesting things to say, especially about Tyler Huntley. Um, I think a lot of people forget that Huntley did put on a lot of weight, and it was good weight. Uh, if you saw those pictures of him side by side uh, that they've shown with the kind of the definition um, that he's put on, it, it it's going to help tremendously during the season as, as he take hit as he's as he takes hits. Luckily, he hasn't really taken any uh, the first three weeks. Uh, but this season, I think it really is going to go how Tyler Huntley goes. I think you know what you're going to get with Moss. I think you're always going to be in games because of Moss. Um, and he's always going to help put Utah over the top. Uh, but I think there will be some cases where Huntley has to do a lot. And honestly, I, I think he's up to it. He's a senior quarterback. He's doing what Ludwig has asked him to do so far. As as Dan said, he this year his decision making is looking better. He's more accurate uh, these these three games than than he has been. So really looking forward to seeing what Huntley does um, now that Utah's getting into Pac-12 play. All right, so it looks like we have our next guest on the line. Uh, really looking forward uh, to getting that inside information for USC. So Adam's on the phone. Let's hurry and patch him in. All right, so joining on the phone now is Adam Grossbart from the Orange County Register. Adam, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me, Cameron. So I, the first thing I want to know, and I think a lot of Utah fans want to know, what happened last week down in Provo against BYU. What happened to USC in that? Well, I think the biggest thing that everyone needs to understand about the USC roster is it's very, very young. And what you saw against BYU was a young team going on its first road trip. 
and there were a lot of execution mistakes that came into it, uh, specifically Slovis came back down to earth after his big game against Stanford. He looked like a true freshman now. And uh, there were just a lot of these little mistakes that didn't, you know, they just weren't, they all added up. You know, it wasn't that USC played a terrible game. They didn't play a great game or even necessarily a good one. But they had a chance to win. Um, I, I do think that they were a little further away from winning than they like to say that they were. But um, it's just a lot of small mistakes that just added up. And, uh, I mean, BYU just out-executed them in certain aspects of the game, especially the BYU defensive line. They only had three guys on defense, and those three guys, for the most part, uh, in pass-rushing situations, beat the USC offensive line. That really was the story of the game. And so you talk about, you know, a, a lot of young guys um, on the USC team. How I know it's only been a, a few days and really only one practice since the game, but when, you, but when you've been around the, the players and the coaches since the game, how is everyone responding? Yeah, they seem pretty, you know, I don't think they're despondent or upset. I mean, they were shocked when they lost that game, especially the way they lost it in the interception at the game two different storm fieldings since the officials took the BYU students off the field while they refused the interception. So that was definitely, they looked shell-shocked after that. But today they all seem pretty upbeat. Um, you know, they don't really have a lot of time to dwell on that game with Utah coming up. Today you released an article um, on the OC Register talking about how Clay Helton wants a slowness to, to kind of learn from his interceptions in, in the BYU game. Uh, taking those outside, and I know there's only two games that we've really seen Slovis, but what are kind of his strengths or things that you have seen out of him that you've liked so far? I mean, like you said, it's tough because it's a small sample size, but he can make some really good long throws. Like, if you're a true freshman, usually you'll see play callers really limited to plays out in the flat or short yardage throws. And that's really not the case with him. He can really take shots down the field. You saw that against BY2 with his long touchdown throw. Like him. You saw it against Stanford with another long throw, 40 yards to uh, Amon Ross St. Brown for a score. Like he can really throw it. Um, he doesn't get phased. He does a pretty good job. Like He really sounded like the same person after the BYU uh, game as he did after the Stanford game. Like, it's the same emotion level. He really didn't get rattled, which is pretty impressive for someone his age. Um, the big thing that we want to see this week now is how much does he learn from those mistakes to BYU. Uh, what the coaching staff pointed to is that he skipped some of his reads in that BYU game. He wasn't going through the full progression. And so does he do that? Does, does he learn from that? And does he really just go through his progression every time? I mean, honestly, that might come down to does he have time to go through his progressions with that Utah pass rush? But, but we'll see how he learns from this. USC is building a new offense um, around a new OC there. You know, Utah has Ludwig that they're trying to implement new um, offense, but on uh, for the Trojans, how's that coming with Graham Harrell trying to instill what he wants to do offensively? 
I mean, you could really see them doing what he wanted them to do in those first couple of games. And now it's just kind of, what do they do if teams start to adapt what PYU did, which was PYU just used three down linemen and they dropped the coverage. They really weren't blitzing that much. They just trusted that if they get an eight-man zone, that would confuse the young quarterback, and it seemed to. Um, but they, for the most part, have really been able to do what Harold wants to do, just move the ball quickly, take shots downfield, and the receivers have a pretty good grasp. The air rate's simple. Like, there's not a lot to learn. It's just learning how to do it well, that trick. And, I mean, we don't know if they can be consistent on a week-to-week basis through the first three weeks. It's been up and down the first half of the Fresno State game. They looked really, really good with J.T. Daniels running the offense. That got hurt. And they weren't really the same offense in the second half. Uh, Stanford, they were able to do anything that they wanted from quarters two through four. And uh, BYU, two first quarter interceptions, and then they took care of the ball for the most part after that, but just struggled to really find the rhythm against that dropping coverage. So it's still a work in progress, but it's not so much that they have to learn, just how do they execute off game. Uh, what are some players that maybe you think you fans should should kind of pay attention to? Maybe some some USC players that are under the radar that you think um, could really make a name for themselves. It's gonna be tough. I mean, it's gonna be such a short that I don't know if anyone's really gonna be at their best in this game. Um, I think the running backs will bear watching. So by Malapai and Chikatara have really strong years and Archie Step had a really, really good uh, cameo in that BYU game. So to get more carries this week, does uh, today try to be a little bit more of a power run offense that I'm using Stephen Cars or Lightning style. Then uh, on defense, the one guy who's really had a really strong tier who's kind of come out of nowhere is Elijah Griffin. Uh, sophomore quarterback, actually the son of Orange. And uh, he had a really strong sophomore season after missing most of last year with two shoulder injuries that required two surgery on both of his shoulders during the offseason. He missed most of spring, but has come back and has been a really good cover corner, especially for his age and his size. And he can play against bigger receivers, so he'll be one guy to watch on Friday. The last question I got I got to throw out to you, kind of a two-parter. Do you think this game is really going to set up uh, the winner of the South between Utah and USC? And then, do you have a prediction of the game? Oh, I mean, it definitely feels like a game that could decide it. At the same time, the South is probably better than any of us expected it to be. No one expected Arizona State to be ranked. No one expected Cal to have the start this year that they've had. There's still some that whoever wins this game is going to have to deal with and account for moving forward. In Arizona, just be that like, There are some really good teams still in the South. That being said, whoever wins this game, I think you can safely call the front runner at that point. Um, I think it's going to be a close game because it's a Friday game. It's a short game. Either team's going to be at their best. Both teams have had to travel this week. USC traveling back to Utah, traveling 
politician. Uh, that being said, I think it's going to be really tough for USC to come against that Utah defense. Uh, that front four is really, really dangerous, and the cover five, the you know five pen secondary, is going to be tough for Spokes to read. Uh, so I think it's going to be a Utah win, which would be the team's first win against USC in 103 years. You can read Adam at uh, orangecountyregister.com. Adam, where can uh, Utah fans, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to kind of keep up with the Trojans as we get set for the game? Yeah, my handle is just my name, at Adam Grossbart. Adam, exactly how you spell it, and that Grossbart, G-R-O-S-K-R-D. Awesome. Adam, hey, thanks again for, for jumping on. I know you're you're a busy guy, you know, running the beat. Uh, for the OC register with with the Trojan, so really appreciate you taking time out of your busy night and, and jumping on with us. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for having. Me. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, and that was Adam Grosbard uh, from the OC register. Really appreciate Adam jumping on. You know, he just got done with practice uh, with the Trojans. They kind of practice later uh, in in the evenings, um, and so you know he's traveling. Uh, back from that, trying to you know get articles and stories into the OC, uh, so it might may have been a little bit of, of a hiccup with with his cell phone um, and the audio, but I, I think everything came through. Uh, so again, just appreciate him coming through. I thought it was really interesting some some remarks, especially about Slavis, who said that he wasn't going through progressions um, against BYU, not really making uh, all the reads that he needs to be um, doing, and I think that that's huge for Utah. I think this D-line for Utah is a lot better than what is at down in Provo. And I know disrespect to the team down south or whatever. I don't care about that. But what I'm saying is that if BYU can get pressure, if BYU can, can, can make him uncomfortable, make him not go through his progression with three down linemen, what is Utah capable of doing with four? And especially the four that they have. I mean... With Bradley and I on one end, Max Tupai on the other, Bradley and I on one end, and Mika Tofu on the other, and then with Pasini and, and Leki Fotu, I, I, USC is going to have their hands full with just those guys. So it's going to be interesting, and I really think that's really going to be the key to this game. And, and obviously, Scally has really called vanilla defense the last three games. I mean, let's just call it what it is: very vanilla. Not a lot of blitzes, not a lot of different looks. And I think this is the game where Scally kind of lets, lets things loose. Especially with a, a freshman quarterback who they have tape on now against two different types of defenses, right? Against Stanford, where they're just going to play man, not really bring anybody, and he, he blows up on them, right? And then you look at BYU, they drop eight. They get a good pass rush. He throws three picks, and he struggles for most of the game. Now, obviously, he made some great plays. Uh, he had like a 30-yard bomb in the, in the corner of the end zone. That was beautiful. I mean, I, I saw that, and I was like, okay, that's, a, that's, a, that's the highly talented USC quarterback that I think we have kind of have seen over the years. But with being a freshman, I think that's where you have to take that advantage. You have to know the weaknesses of your opponents, and you have to exploit that. 
All right, Utah fans. So we got a very special treat. We have Ryan calling in all the way from the Northwest. Ryan, I know last time you were kind of up there, the Pony Express was still running. How are things in Washington? <laughs> a little bit cooler than in Salt Lake. The temperature is actually quite pleasant. A little rain, too, tonight. So It's always... I'm, I'm glad you could join. I'm glad I could join this evening. Having lived in Oregon for a little bit, it's it's always rainy in the Northwest. So make sure you have your umbrella, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Big things, Ryan. I know you're busy with, with work on a, on a business trip, and I know you and Scott don't trust me to run things by myself. But things have been going well. <laughs> things have been going well. But I know you got to check in, check in on me, make sure things are still going smoothly. Uh, so let's let's hurry. Just let's jump into this Idaho State game. What a beatdown, thirty-one nothing. Ryan, I'll kick it over to you. Thoughts from the game. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think you know it was a a butt whooping uh, to a certain extent. I think I I think a bunch of us anticipated a little bit uh, higher score from from the Utes than 31 points. But uh, when you look at it, I think uh, kind of called off the dogs after halftime, and we only got the one touchdown after that. But um, you know, from a defensive standpoint, it was fantastic. The defense played great, uh, held them to just over 100 yards total, I think. There's not too much over 100 yards. And and then, then if you look at it from an offensive standpoint, uh, you know, a bunch of other guys got some reps that probably wouldn't have otherwise to get some experience, which could pay dividends dividends down the road as, as you're getting into conference play. So, I mean, all in all, it was it was a great win, and uh, and, I, and I think I really like. I, I expected the Utes to run the ball more than they did. I didn't expect them to come out passing as much as they did, but it was good to see, uh, and and to put some of those local media naysayers to bed that uh, Tyler Huntley is inaccurate. Uh, he's showing still that uh, he's a pretty accurate passer. I mean, all those points, and granted, yes, it's an FCS opponent. You you expect kind of a beat down, um, but it is a live game, and you can't replicate live game reps in practice. Uh, so just to kind of echo your point, yeah, get a lot of guys. Like, Julian Blackman didn't even play this game. And for yeah. for Hubert to come in and have to play the whole game, yes, it, it's Idaho State, but he's got to start somewhere. And oh, same, same with that offensive line. You, you know, they, they had some injuries moving guys around. You can't replicate reps in practice like that. Yeah, not at all. I mean, you look at talking about just the offensive line. We, had, we were missing two starters again uh, this week. The uh, same two that were out the previous week. And, you know, I think probably it's somewhat precautionary because there's no sense in risking further injury. Uh, against an FCS opponent, so to get them as healthy as possible entering the conference uh, play. Uh, but you know, you're given you're given more guys reps, you're given experience, and, and they held their own. Uh, and they're and the offensive line is doing pretty well. Uh, so looking forward to getting those other two guys back. See what we can do against USC this weekend. And I will say it's great 
Zach Moss only played really the first quarter, right? 10 carries, 100, 106 yards. That's amazing. And then, you know, they kind of let Tyler air it out a little bit. He had a, a big one to the um, Brian Thompson, another one to Brant Keithy. You know, I, th- I think we're seeing Andy Ludwig, you know, add a little bit more to the offense, get a little get going. Mm-hmm. Because I think this week come USC, they're going to open things up. I, I think what, we, what we're seeing from, from Utah the last three weeks has just kind of been the foundation, get things going, get things smooth, you know, kind of massage the offense a little bit. And I think conference play, they're going to hit the ground running. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen him do a number of things these first three games. Uh, obviously, in game one, they pounded the ball. I mean, Zach Moss, 180-plus yards against Hawaii. And a little bit similar against Northern Illinois. And then this week, opened up the, the passing attack a little bit. And, and uh, much more so than I thought they would. But um, it was great to see him go deep a few times. I mean, that, that deep ball down the sideline to Brian Thompson was, I mean, right on the money. Um, even the, even the corner route in the end zone to Thompson was, was a great pass. And then of course you mentioned the, the shot to Keithy down the sideline. You've got to make USC, uh, prepare for all aspects of the offense. Uh, so they needed to show a little bit of the passing game. And I, obviously they're, there's probably more to this playbook than we've seen to this point. Um, but, uh, but obviously our, the horse is, is Zach Moss and we're going to rely on him and he's probably going to be the focal point moving forward. But if he can get go, if he gets going like we anticipate him doing, I mean, that just opens up the passing game. So as we look ahead uh, to USC, Adam Grossbrard, you know, he had some some things to say, especially with with, with Slovis, and I kind of gave my thoughts on that and having to get pressure on him, making him react quicker, not letting him go through progressions, really messing up with a, a true freshman as as he's getting experience in this game. Uh, Ryan, where do you think Utah can have success coming into this USC game? Yeah, you know that's interesting. If we're talking about the defensive side of the ball. We've we've seen their their freshman quarterback um, you know, got, go up against Stanford and really just light up the scoreboard uh, and just pass after pass after pass completed. And Stanford kind of stayed in their man defense and got picked apart. And then you saw BYU drop more guys into coverage, and I think that hindered his ability to pass the, the you know, to hit some of the guys he hit the previous week. Uh, and you know, he's a, he's a He's a freshman. He's learning. This will be game three. He's probably going to get a little bit better, but I think Utah's defense is a little bit better than Stanford and BYU. So hopefully we'll be able to create some pressure and and uh, make him hurry up and, and get uncomfortable back there. So interesting thoughts on on USC moving forward. Obviously, they they struggled in their first game against Fresno, but they got the win. Uh, then of course they, they went to Provo and lost, uh, and were ranked 24th at the time. So now they've dropped out of the top 25 heading into this game. So which USC team are we going to see? Uh, cause I don't know that we know exactly how good they are. I mean, they struggled a little bit against Fresno. 
they looked great against Stanford, and then they struggle against BYU. So what I, you know, part of me thinks that BYU was a trap game, and they were looking ahead to the Utah game. But then again, maybe they're not as good as everyone thought they would be. Well, I think it's interesting with a USC type program. You know, kind of the, what they call I mean, what do they call a, bl- a blue blood? Mm-hmm. You know, one one good game against Stanford, second game of the year, and people are already putting USC back in the tw- top twenty five, strictly on name oh, alone, yeah. right? I mean, they're starting quarterbacks out. They come in with a, a true freshman, and he lights it up for three quarters. And then everyone, and, and, and granted, like I did it too. I'll, I'll fully admit, I thought USC would, would go in there and beat BYU. 10 oh yeah, points. I did too. I think I think a big chunk of the country thought that after watching what they did to Stanford. And you know, at the time, Stanford was ranked in the top twenty-five as well. So everyone thought, "Wow, I mean, Stanford from typically from year to year has a pretty good defense." And look what USC just did to them. But now we've seen that Stanford got shellacked by UCF this weekend, this past weekend as well. So clearly Stanford isn't as good as they typically are. Uh, so, you know, it's a little tough to get a read on this USC team. But as you mentioned earlier, there's so much talent on this roster. And, it, you know, if they put it together, it, it's scary. And they they could go out and beat anybody. But, you know... They haven't shown it yet this season. And, and that's the thing, right? If they can get it together, with all that's going on there, their their AD resigns, if you want to call it that, if you can read between the lines, who was the only one in Clay Helton's corner. But back to your original point, yeah, I, it, it's hard to know what this USC team is going to be like. And... You know, I, I, I want to say they're going to be fired up after their performance against Utah playing in their home field. But I also think Utah is a very senior-laden team. And I think okay. this three weeks has proved exactly what this coaching staff and team has been preaching all offseason. I mean, when we're up at practice and we're talking to guys, yeah, it's great for them to get recognized as as the best defensive line in the country. It was be- it was great for them to be recognized as a top fifteen team preseason. But then they but then they would all follow that up with, but it doesn't really matter. And I know that's a lot of coach speak. It's it's what you expect to hear. But I think these three weeks, it, it's proof that they didn't read those clippings and just believe they had to just sh- show up to win. I mean, obviously the BYU game. Is example one. Here's a team that you've beaten eight times in a row. You just put a, a huge beat down in them in one quarter to make up a whole game to beat them. But yet they came out intense, ready to play, and they followed that up with games against NIU and, and, and Idaho State. And yeah, they're lesser opponents, but they did what you want to see out of a team that is on a mission. Yeah, and I think that's what what you just said is, is clear. They're they're on a mission. They have something to achieve. They've set goals, team goals, and uh, it, it's clear when you listen to them get interviewed. Um, a lot of these guys we thought would would leave the program last year to to uh, pursue an NFL career, you know, came back because they had unfinished business. 
quote unquote. Uh, and it, it's starting to show. And and this doesn't mean that they're going to win every game. They get, they, so that's why we play the games because any team, any team can win on any given day. But they have a mindset to go out there and compete and play hard. And they have talent. I mean, you, if you can put if you put the work in with the talent they have, good things are going to happen. And and sure, USC scares me, especially being down there where we haven't won, and not knowing exactly what USC team we're going to see. But I'm I'm fairly confident that Utah can go in and get this done. So every episode we end with picking some Pac-12 games along with the Utah game, uh, and we really want to give a shout out. Uh, to our friends over at the 12 Packed Radio with Bryant and Rob. And, you know, they just have a little message that that they want to play for Utah fans. Hey, Ute fans, it's Brian with 12 Pack Radio. Like you, we're big fans of the Utah Man podcast and are glad you're tuning in. If you're jonesing for some additional Pac-12 coverage, then check out our show, 12 Pack Radio with Sports Illustrated Gambling's Max Meyer. We use advanced stats, hold free contests, and provide an in-depth look at the Conference of Champions. And we're high on the Utes, so we've had Cam and Scott on the show multiple times. Not Ryan, though. He's in the boo box. But if you're looking for some Utah love, we're happy to oblige. We've had great guests, and it's a good show. So search for 12 Pack Radio anywhere you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. That's 1-2-P-A-C Radio. All right, so last week, obviously, I didn't pay good enough attention. I went 1-3. The only game I got right was Utah. I missed ASU, Michigan State. Thank you, Pac-12 refs, for not only messing up for Michigan State, for messing up for me and Ryan Scott. You guys both, both of you guys did Michigan State, uh, Texas Tech, Arizona. Ryan, you and Scott got that right. I went with the Red Raiders, and then freaking USC losing the overtime to BYU. So let's go ahead and look at this week. We're all tied up on the season three and five. Ooh. Right, we got some ground to make up to get back to five hundred. Bad news. Oh, well, since Scott's not here, we can. Oh yeah, we're gonna pick for bad. Scott. I mean, he's too busy <laughs> laying on the beaches on the houseboat in Lake Powell, working on his tan. So he will be losing every single game. First game we're looking at is Washington nice. at BYU. Uh, Washington's going in as we're recording this as a six-point favorite. Ryan, who do you got? Wow, I don't. Last week I picked uh, USC pretty handily over BYU, and look what happened. So, um, you know, Washington's been a little up and down this year too. And then they lost to Cal, and they won pretty handily last week at home. So, I don't think they're quite the Washington of last year, but I think they're a pretty, pretty good team, and I think they'll uh, squeak out a close one at BYU. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the Cougars on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the Huskies. I, I think that that Cal game, I think it was a, a wake, uh, an awakening call uh, for them. Uh, so I, I think they go into, into Provo and get that win. And I think Scott's going to pick Cosmo to win. What do you think? I agree. I think that thing is exactly what he would do. The next <laughs> game we're looking at, the Oregon Ducks are traveling to take on the trees of Stanford. Oregon's a 10-point favorite. Ryan, Ducks or trees? Oh, 
we got to go with the Ducks. I mean, the last two weeks, Stanford has not shown up. Uh, and Oregon looked, uh, Oregon's looked pretty good, so definitely go with the Ducks this week. I definitely agree with you. I think the Ducks take care of business. And Scott will probably take, what, the fans of Stanford if they show up or not. And I'm guessing they won't show up, so Scott's going to lose that one as well. Next one, Colorado Buffs traveling to Tempe to play the Sun Devils of Arizona State. Arizona coming off that win, as I said, to Michigan State, where they were gifted by the refs. Screw you, Pac-12 refs. They're a seven-and-a-half point favorite against the Buffs. Ryan, where are you going? Well, I don't know. Colorado looks pretty good against their win against Nebraska and then turns around and loses to Air Force. I mean, good win for Arizona State to go to Michigan State and win, but they haven't looked they haven't looked great so far this year. But I'm not sure. I mean, Colorado, Colorado's offense shows up, and I think they'll win, but I think that's not a for sure thing so i think i'm gonna go with asu just because they're at home oh that one i I agree i think this one's tough asu's defense has not shown that great i guess um i mean i know they they limited michigan state but they're i don't know Jaden daniels is, is playing really well i think he's gonna he's gonna be a great quarterback in this league um just a freshman right now I agree. At home, I, do you know what? I, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Montez. I think the senior quarterback beats out the freshman. I'm going to go with the Buffs. You would. And then Scott's going to take whichever team loses. <laughs> and then the last game we got Utah traveling to USC in the Coliseum, where Utah has not won. Utah's a four-point favorite. Ryan, who do you got, and what's your score? Definitely going with the Utes. I think they're going to go down there and get this done. They're on a mission. But I think it's going to be, you know, a, a within a one-score game. I think Utah pulls it out 27-20. I'm kind of thinking the same lines as you. Um, again, I think a lot has to do with how much pressure Utah's going to get on Slovis, uh, make some turnovers. And really, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be up to Huntley. Uh, I think USC is going to stack the box, try to limit Moss as much as they can. And, and I think it's all, all kind of all rise on Huntley. So I got Utah 30, USC 24. Um, we did get a prediction from Scott before he lost cell service down there in Powell. And he has Utah 31, USC 20. So he's going a little bit bigger than you and I, Rai. Um, but we all have Utah across the board. And hopefully Utah will get that first winning conference because that, that, oh, you got to win those games against those South opponents. Ryan, uh, where can people, yep. where can people find you on Twitter? At drum and feather drum, the letter N feather. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Utah man podcast. You can download our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, anywhere you listen to a podcast. We are there and you can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com and go you. Go you. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Dude, it's when Scott's not here, we get to talk. I know, right? I need more water. My throat is dry. <laughs> we 
we typically don't have to drink very much because we don't talk very much. <laughs> 